What a weekend of hurling. This is GEA Embedded on Balls.ie, your weekly GEA show. I'm Mick McCarthy. We're going to be joined by Shane McGrath in just a couple of minutes. And a little bit later on, we're also going to talk to Darren O'Sullivan about the weekend's, hopefully the weekend's two All-Ireland football semi-finals. We'll see about that. Uh, some COVID issues in the throne camp, um, you know, making that a little bit in doubt. But we'll talk to Darren about that later on in the show. And we'll also get one of our Finch videos. I think we're looking at the best outside managers in GAA history. So a lot to look forward to there. But right now, I want to get straight into it. Let's talk to Shane McGrath. Shane, Limerick are in their first uh, consecutive All-Ireland Finals since 1974. But I think everybody is talking today about Cork, Corkness, the Rebels. They're back. A cracker against Kilkenny yesterday. There's Kieran Kingston showing a bit of Corkness. 137 to 132. You know, there's a lot to go into about them getting the job done and not getting the job done and so on and so forth. But in general, Cork showed the kind of potential that we were waiting to see from them for a long time to the, uh, yesterday, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I was reading Dermot Sullivan's interview straight after the match. And uh, as you said about that Corkness and, you know, if there's ever a county that will always believe in themselves, no matter how many times they've been down, it's definitely Cork, you know, having won all Ireland in 16 years. But... I love that. I love the self-confidence they have. Yeah. I love the People's Republic thing. You know, they're doing everything good in sport in, in the country at the moment. Uh, was it up to last week? They had 25 championship ma- matches played between minor, under 20, hurling and football and senior hurling. And they'd won 23 out of 25. So they're on a crest of a wave. Then the two boys bring back the gold medals as well down to Skibbereen. And, you know, they're on about making Skibbereen maybe a country on its own now. They've won so many Olympic medals. So... I just, you know, and just to go back to Jim Sullivan's interview, and he just said, look, everybody has Limerick's name etched in on Lee McCarthy already, like, and I think that's going to be massive motivation for him for the next couple of weeks, and that we're all saying it like that, you know, and rightly so, like, this is the greatest Limerick hurling team ever, and, and mm-hmm. one of the greatest hurling teams in modern era because of what they've done consistently since since 2018, you know, uh, three Munster finals, two national leagues, they're in, uh, as you said, Two All Ireland titles won and in, in another All Ireland final in, in a couple of weeks' time. But I just think, and Dean Sullivan mentioned it as well, and I, I maybe you do maybe you agree as well, Mick. I just think there's a difference in this Cork group. Even even last year inside the Gaelic grounds, they if you remember that day, the weather was brutal against Tipperary um in the championship. And and they went two points up and they had an absolute storm behind them. And everyone thought, sure, this is it. They're going to kick on here now. They're going to beat yeah. You know, they're finally they're going to get one over on Tip. And, you know, Tip went up the field, got a score. Jake Morris got a goal. And, and and that's it. People are always saying, look, there's Cork again now. And it was put up to them. They didn't, they didn't show anything. But this year, I think it's been a different group. And there's a different mentality. There's a different kind of a steelness in the group in that. If you remember against Clare, when Jim Ryan scored a point, put Clare a point up. What do Cork do? They respond by scoring the next 1-5 to a point. They'll score clear 1-5 to a point up to you know um, injury time. Against Dublin the last day, Dublin kicked off three or four points. How did Cork react? They didn't fall away. They scored the next five points in a row. And I think yesterday, Tim O'Mahony, he, he epitomised everything that's good with Cork this year in the mistake he made for the goal. We've all seen it. You know, It's easy to say he was kind of casual coming out with the ball. Lost the ball. Podrick Walsh, Joe Canning-esque pass to... Yeah. Into Adrian Mullen, who buries the ball. What a goal. But Tim O'Mahony comes out and has an absolute worldly of a game in, in the extra time. I think in the first, the first two or three puckouts he caught him himself. I think he actually I think he actually won five of the Kilkenny puckouts on his own. And I'd say when the rest of them looked at him and the way he reacted, and I'm sure they had a great chat, Mick, in the dressing room before they came out for extra time to say, look, 
this is it now, lads. This this is our time to show everyone that you know we're not that 2018 team that fell away against Limerick. We're not that team that fell away against even Tiff last year. We're a different group, and I think they are. And I think there's a great steeliness in the group, and uh, that's that's in the management. That's in everyone who uh, who had a cart top on them in, in Crow Park yesterday. Yeah. That's why it was a mistake. You're obviously right, but I just watched it from a different angle on the Sunday game when they were doing the analysis, and there was two things that stood out to me. And one was that I think it, I don't think it was a plan to run out with the ball, as I, I I thought. You know, maybe his head wasn't in it, but whatever way it fell on his left and angle, he was at. I actually thought that he he kind of he changed his mind last night. Maybe he thought that he was going to be hooked or blocked or something like that, and just had to run with it. And then you're kind of in no man's land then when you're kind of ended up running he's trying to bounce it and everything like that but and then there's the other the other part of that angle you see is that when he's on his knees looking behind him waiting to see how it's going to end up and putting the head into the ground and I think that is a huge mark of character that he dominated extra time then because the last thing he did in normal time was have his head in the ground thinking I'm after doing this to us you know it's it, it is interesting oh, yeah. mm. how do we like, you look yeah. and look at the composure Coleman had you know massive dropping ball coming in caught it i thought he did his best game for cork yesterday in my opinion the amount of ball he got on mm. but yeah look i mean we've all it's, it's easy sitting at home or sitting to stand and watching doing it. i'm sure they were absolutely to use a cork word flat at that stage like as well you know the mind isn't going because the, yeah. the the body is so tired that the mind is trying to play catch up with it too but look i mean as i said the way they responded is sign of a sign of a great group sign of a very mentally strong group as well mick yeah now they were caught in a very similar way against Clare in the last second and it would have cost them their place in the championship because they were only two points up at that stage. Um, I was wonder, will it be a concern? I don't know if that's maybe even, maybe that's a conversation for later on when we're talking about the final or we're talking about Cork, but, uh, you know, how they're going to get on against Limerick. But just even in back into this match, there was a kind of an unbelievable sense of occasion yesterday, I think, set up by... Um, set up by Kelly Harrington, really, you know, and the, the proximity of Fortler Road to Crow Park. You will have seen the pictures. Everybody will have seen them there. Uh, you can see them on your screen if you're watching, um, as opposed to listening of uh, the fans coming in. I don't know how much the Harringtons will have actually loved that, as much as they'll say they did. But I felt like I was actually in around the area earlier on yesterday morning, and it was like, it felt like a Crow Park day. You know, and I don't know yeah. if you've seen that. You were there on Saturday. I don't know if it was even quite like that, but it felt a little bit more like, Jesus, we're not too far off real All-Ireland semi-final days. And I wonder, is there something in the, definitely in Kilkenny, but in the Cork psyche as well, that both teams kind of played up to that a little bit. And it, it, it might have given us the sort of feeling of the classic that we had yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I just think the pictures going around, Mick, are absolutely brilliant. Uh, there's a picture going around of one of Kilkenny lads, one of Kilkenny, I think he's from Moonkind, I think the man is from. Yeah. He, he brings a, a, a bag of spuds, like. I mean, <laughs> like, what what other country is that going on in that someone from a completely different sport arrives on and how do they say congratulations, here's a bag Here's a bag of potatoes, you know, have, have a nice dinner today. And I just think that shows that the world is a small place, Mick, but Ireland yeah. is only a big parish, like. I mean, yeah. we all know we all know someone from another county or we're nearly all related in, in some form of another but for someone from the GA world to feel that you know this it's okay for me to go up to an olympic champion like someone who's recognized on the worldwide stage now as being one of the best female boxers in the world and, and i'll bring her a bag of spuds like and you know people are just going up getting people are just about getting pictures taken and everything and as you said like the harrington's they, they must be wrecked like they were probably up since four o'clock yesterday morning getting ready for the fighter you know, because they couldn't sleep the night before. But, and I'm sure Kelly, like, I think she left her phone down and seeing the images of her looking at things that were going on on Jackie Hurley's phone. And 
I'm sure she'll be blown away by it all as well. She spent her life looking out the window at people going to matches in Crow Park, as you said, a yeah. stone throw away. And I'd say, do you know what? They could charge what they want now for anyone to park outside the house from now on for matches <laughs> in Crow Park anyway. Everyone will want to park up along Portland Road, but absolutely brilliant. I tell you, Mick, we like you talk about things and the novelty of things. We had some job getting to Crow Park Saturday. I mean, I've oh, never yeah. seen as much hassle with bales of hay. I mean, the last time there was as much hassle over bale of hay, I'd say, was on uh, Glen Row when, uh, was it Miley and Tadelma were rolling around in one. But uh, <laughs> other than that, it was just chaos going up the road there. Four and a half hours it took us to get up, you know. And uh, it was just it was just, it was just, just a crazy weekend with the hurling and with the Olympics and everything. But uh, I think what the main thing is that what connected the whole lot was sport-like. And I think mm. sport is brilliant. And I, I just... As a teacher, I just hope that that kids just take up some sport after the summer wrap we're having between the Euros, the Olympics, the hurling, the football, the ladies' football, the camogie. We've been spoiled for choice this summer. So I just hope that that's, that's the main thing that comes over, really, that, that kids just say, look, there's lots of sports there I can play and that they'll take up some form of sport. Like, But, yeah, you know, it's going, to be, it's going to be a great couple of weeks. Go back to the Cork thing there. I just feel Cork bring an excitement and a colour to... Um, yeah. A big day that very few other counties do. Ask anybody in Turles when Cork are playing in Turles, like the crack you'll have in the pubs or on the streets after with the Cork crowd, and they're getting the train back down, and they're just, you know, no matter what happened in the match, you just love that Corkness about them. Like you know, they're so witty, they're so funny, and as I said, the color that they bring to it, and all real passionate sports people as well. Like you know, and you know, they love, they just love their sport down there, and they're so good at so many of them that, you know. It's it's great to see him back in the final. I'd say going through the teams, Mick, I'd say in your own Clare there in 2013 to play Cork, I'd say Pat Horgan and Shamie Harnady are the only two survivors from that. So, you know, you're looking at a completely a completely different panel, you know, coming in to try and get prepped for an all in a final. And that'll be, you know, that'll be that'll be difficult as well, you know. Organised suits, yeah. where are you going to go, where are we going to go afterwards? Where the Limerick lads are used to that now for the last few years. So, look, they're all factors to take into account but I'm sure the Cork lads are delighted to be able to take them into account You mentioned the Cork colour and what they bring to games and everything like that I remember like the, the 2017 Munster final going in there as a Clare fan into the um, Klein and End and thinking Jesus Christ are we at the wrong match did we get the wrong day and it was like it was 90% if it, if it was 90 minimum to send Cork that day and I remember even being embarrassed as a Clare fan like that it was so so Cork but that was almost the return of that showed you the appetite that was there for that this team and getting behind this team that was there and they had those two years and they weren't far off in 18 and it just sort of petered away you mentioned what they did last year the year before six of the starters from the 2018 semi-final play started on Sunday there is more involved you know like obviously Shane Kingston should he have been starting you know what I mean he's one of them mm -hmm. but six starters isn't a lot for a three-year turnover for a team that were very 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 close to making it all out of the final one of the classic semi-finals of all time yeah, it, oh no, I, I absolutely. Uh, sorry, Mick, but like I think the difference in 2018 is that you remember 2018, like we were like, you know, we were anyone that was lucky to be, enough to be there. What did Cork have to do that day? Like they had to bring back on Jamie Harnady. I think they had to, had to bring back on Daniel Kearney. You know, and everyone says that Limerick blew him away an extra time. They did blow him away an extra time, but I mean, Limerick brought on some serious subs that day. Shane Dowling came on, Pat Ryan came on. Like, I mean, their bench was awesome. And now what we're seeing with Cork is like, we're seeing. Like you said, there were six lads that started, right? You take Alan, Alan Cadigan would have started in 18 and be yeah. one of their main go-to guys. Now he's coming on, you know, because he's who's he been replaced by? Jack O'Connor, who's absolutely lighting it up. And like the point I'm trying to make here, Cork have a group now 
that that mm. can play. Whereas, you know, that was very evident to see the last time in 2018 when it do, did go to extra time. They, they didn't have a group, or else the management didn't really trust the lads who were behind them sitting on the bench. Whereas now they do. You take it just yesterday alone. Cork's bench scored 11 points from play, right? Shane Kingston scored seven. Um, Alan Cadding comes on and scores three. And Decky Dalton scores a, a monster of a point from out the field. Whereas Kilkenny's bench came on and scored one point. And that yeah. that was massive for Cork. And it's massive for Cork going into the final knowing that. And we're always, we said it here before a few times on the pod, Mick, you know, about starters and finishers. And that's the way it's gone. And maybe Cork want to finish with their best team the next day. Maybe they don't want to start with their next team. And that, for me, is an argument to keep Shane Kingston, keep Alan Cadigan in reserve. You know, it was a big day for Shane Barrett yesterday. He would have learned an awful lot starting his first All-Ireland senior semi-final up there. You know, he would have got great experience from that. Everything didn't go his way, but again, great experience. But for me, the argument to keep those guys in reserve, and if you're a Limerick player and you're looking out to the sideline and you see Alan Cadigan, Shane Kingston getting ready to come on, you know, it can put a little bit of doubt in your mind mm-hmm. that, geez, these lads are burning up at the moment. You know, the thing is starting to open up. We'll need to cut off space a bit more. So, you know, it's obviously, it's, it's a difficult decision for Kieran Kingston and his management team to make, you know, especially Kieran Kingston. You're sitting around the table looking across from him for breakfast for the next two weeks. Like, and, can I and ask he's on the other side asking, why aren't you playing him? Like, you know. I know, but can I ask you that? That's such a GA thing. And I was talking about it at home yesterday and I said, I must ask Shane about this because I don't know if you've any experience of it, but, but like most people do somewhere in their in their career, be it from like under fives all the way up to senior county for Shane Kingston. But like, GA coach parents are notoriously harder on their own children than they are on the rest of the team. Like, and it's not, I wonder who the only sport that are like that as well. Like, but I don't know. It, it is an awkward enough conversation, but there's, I felt before yesterday, I was like, Shane Kingston is bearing the brunt of something that Kieran didn't like in the, in the forwards last week. There was nothing to do necessarily with Shane. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, you see him coming on and doing what he does. And you're thinking, Jesus, like, that's exactly what a team needs is that type of player when every when the defenders are tired because he's the direct runner, he's fast, and he can the way he can hit the ball on the run before a, a tired defender is going to have a chance to get anywhere near him. Yeah, true. Yeah, I, I suppose like you, you think about the last big impact sub, maybe, and we're not putting Shane Kingston as an impact sub, I'm just saying Neil Rowan, mm. like he used to do that for Cork, he didn't maybe yeah. like the like the tag of it, like, but he came on and he always made a difference. and Don O'Grady, John Allen, like these guys, they would have kept him in reserve for that reason, that he would have ma- made an impact and defenders see him coming on, as you said, as the team gets loose. So, like, you know, it's, it can only, it's, it, it is such a GA thing, you know, that it, one of the top inter-county teams in the manager are in the country, um, Keir, in Cork, Kieran Kingston's the manager and his son is one of the main forwards, like, and the, as you said, we're often hardest on our own, you know, um, especially in club scenes we see it you know all the time that i suppose there's a great was saying is that no matter who's going bad take off the car forward and maybe sometimes that's the that's the manager's son and you know they can be hardest on their own but i think shane kingston showed a great level of maturity in his interview after the match yeah. you know he could have went on and said this that and the other but i think that's i think that's the way county lads are nowadays they're very very good um media wise you know but he just said look i wasn't going well i didn't deserve my start hopefully i'll get to start the next day but I think that's that, That's what you need in any group. You need to understand that, look, if you don't start, you are coming on and understand that when the team wins, everybody wins and you will be a massive part of that. And if you can get that into a culture, it's unbelievable. I don't know, Mick, have you watched that Chase in the Sun documentary about the South African team and the culture that they had there in the World Cup like that? Razzie was trying, to, Razzie Rasmus trying to talk to the guys who know they won't be talking out. So their jobs were to go away and see what see what way the referees were referring the game, see what way the malls are setting up. Now, I'm not a massive rugby fan, 
But I just thought, like, imagine having that kind of culture that that in GA terms that the guys who aren't going to make the 26 have mm. jobs to say, right, I'm going to pretend I'm going to play this training match like someone you could mark the next day. Or I'm going to go in and do um, find out information on their puckouts for, for the backs or for the forwards. And the culture that, yeah, you, you, won't, you won't get any credit outside. But by God, you'll get some credit inside, like, you know, and I think I think Limerick have it. I think Limerick have it in abundance in their culture and the way they are on and off the field. They're very close. And I think this Cork group are very close. And I think Shane Kingston epitomized that the other day. And he, he could have said a lot of things, you know, I scored seven points, I should be playing. He said, no, I wasn't going well. I didn't deserve my start. Kieran Kingston, you know, laughed it off after the game, said, oh, I told you I had to drop you to try and get you going again. So, but look, I mean, I think it's a great headache for, for Kieran yeah. Kingston and the boys to have this over the next couple of weeks. And um, to see what yeah. way are they going to start, but more importantly, make what way are they going to finish the other final? Like, but you need like you need eight or nine forwards that you could start without without uh, without having to worry about them if you're going to win All Ireland, don't you? Like that's just a fact these days, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. It's a given. Yeah, yeah. it's a given that if any of them went down, you know, injury, warm up, first yeah. ten minutes, that you look over straight away, you know exactly who's coming on. I think Limerick have that. Like you know, Limerick yeah. have that in Pat Ryan. One of the inside forwards goes down, Pat Ryan, no issue at all. Graham Mulcahy can do it as well. You know, younger guys then like Cahal O'Neill, you know, might be might be a bridge too far for him, maybe yeah. an all in a final. David but, Reedy. Yeah, you know, David Reedy. You're looking at other guys here like that are that are burning up, I'm sure. Like, I mean, in, in defence, if it's not happening for one of the boys, sure, look, we'll bring on Richie English, like, you know. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. The reason I ask... I think, I think Cork have good, good, good backup now, Alan Connolly. And um, did it the last, uh, yeah. has done it every time he's come on. He's he's a worry now, you know. He he, he takes mind, and so he does, you know. And and in defence, then if it's not happening for for if it's not happening for Niall O'Leary or if it's not happening for Sean Dunhu, you know, Sean O'Leary Hayes can come on, and it doesn't upset the apple cart too much. So I think they, I think they're good. I think both squads have good good cover for for each line of the field, like. Absolutely, absolutely. I think Colin Spillane is back as well, isn't he? For yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I asked about the forwards though because. We'll talk more about Cork when we talk about the final in a few minutes, and I want to talk about the other match. But Kilkenny, there's a couple of things I want to talk about with Kilkenny. But one of those things is the forwards. I talked about, I talked up that forward line with you last week, and you know, they are there. I just wonder. I don't know. Like John Donnelly doesn't have a good game. Um, Keown doesn't have a good game when he comes on and taken off again. Uh, you know, Mullen scored a brilliant one too and was there for them when it mattered, but maybe over the. 90 minutes didn't have his best game and it's just like I don't know if Kilkenny if maybe that's where they're falling a little bit short is when the guys that Cody needs to rely on aren't firing there isn't that there isn't that nine there isn't that you know uh seventh eighth and ninth forward to come on and and save the day really yeah. I know, I know, I know what you're saying, Mick. Like, I mean, if I suppose if we use the top team at the moment, if Hegarty doesn't have his best day, yeah, it's okay. Keen Lynch and Tom Morrissey might chip in and vice versa. I suppose TJ didn't have his his greatest day from open play yesterday. They still did so many good things and mm. was involved in, in an awful lot of things. But as you're saying, just maybe didn't have that other marquee forward that, that put his hand up to say, I'm actually going to take it on. Now, to be fair to Billy Ryan, I suppose. He played well. five points from play yesterday, yeah. and I thought Downey had a massive game. But Billy Ryan, for a lot of that game, gave him gave him a lot of trouble, and he he did put his hand up, you know. But as you said, Adrian Mullen, yeah, he didn't have his best game. Still, I think he came away one three, like you know. So, but like you know, it just doesn't have that that character, like you know, that 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 massive that figure, like like that another another TJ, like you know, like like they used to have, I suppose, in the years gone by. That if it wasn't happening for Sheffield, that's okay. On Larkin will do it for you. 
it's not happened for the two of them, that's all right. You know, maybe Taggy might pop up with three or four points or Eddie Brennan or, or the great Richie Power or, or look, it goes on and on and on, like the, the, the talent that they had. And maybe they, maybe just don't have that 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 talent at the moment, but they are a very, very good group. And I suppose they are very, very young with the exception of, of, of maybe TJ and Wally Walsh and Richie Hogan coming on, you know. Killian Buckley has given great service as well. No, I'm not saying any of them are going to walk away, but like, you know, it's it's probably it's 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 a new team now. Like, you know, it's 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 own Cody's team now, it's James Maher's team now, it's it's Michael Carey's team now, it's it's Hugh Lawler's team now, you know. And Owen Murphy, obviously, this unbelievable goalkeeper that he is. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And I suppose is is it a worry for Kilkenny? I don't think it is a worry. I think there'll always be great talent in Kilkenny, but they just maybe need to maybe another year now for for own Cody like and Billy Ryan that the confidence he'll get from this might might you know might might make them make the next step up and I suppose people a lot of people are asking like is TJ done now like I don't think he is done personally I think with the job he's in with the gym I think he'll know how to mind himself and get the body right to give it a, another good go next year you know time waits for no man and I think TJ 33 this year maybe might be turning 34 but I think he's still in great shape and I think He'll really want to give it one one more good go and and and, and try and get back into an Ireland final for for himself anyway as well and obviously for for the whole panel. But yeah, I suppose they just don't have the same same array of talent or or, or, or you know yeah. unbelievable players they had in years gone by. But still still a good group, Mick. I'd say like yeah, still a very good team. Like Leinster champions, like extra time in all Ireland semi final. You can't complain too much. But I have some. There's a comment here saying is it is it time for Cody to go? Has he dragged the standard of Leinster into the mire? Which I think is a bit unfair. But that's fine. Um, I understand. I like the, is time is Cody is it time for Cody to go? I think is a genuine question. And here's why. Right, this is just since some stats since 1904 when Kilkenny won their first All Ireland. They've never gone ten years without winning All Ireland. They went nine. A couple of times they've gone eight a couple of times seven a couple of times six years now since from 2016 to 2021 without winning all ireland which is the same length as 94 to 99 which we remember it was eight years between 84 and um or 74 and 81 uh you know these are kind of this is full-on drought level in kilkenny even by historic standards we talk about like you know this it'll never happen again the great team of uh you know the mid 2000s and stuff but Kilkenny always win all Ireland's you know what I mean six years is genuinely a drought now like you know what I mean next year will be their seventh year yeah, I, I'm not this doesn't have to be a Cody conversation but I'm just wondering like it doesn't feel like they're they're getting younger these lads are getting more experienced but if T, you take TJ Reid out of that team you take Park Walsh out of that team you take Owen Murphy out of that team and you're thinking like they're still the three linchpins really yeah. I, like I look, I, I hate going back, right? But like, say if, if ten years ago, probably ten, twelve or thirteen of their team would have made most teams in the country. I think it'd be fair yeah. enough to say that. Like, whereas now, uh, who who would make every team in the country or most teams? You know, Owen Murphy would make a majority of them. TJ Reid would make a majority of them. Patrick Walsh would make a majority of them. After that, you just you know you just don't you you couldn't see them being absolute guaranteed starters on 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 the rest of the teams. And I think that's that's the difference as well. Uh, is it time for Cody to go? I think one of the, well, as I said to someone the other day, one of the perks of greatness is that you go when you want to go. Um, so I think Brian Cody will will definitely not be pushed out by the Kilkenny County Board. No way. They, they just have too much respect for him for what he's done for, Kil, for Kilkenny and for Hurling down there. And I think he'll go when he feels the time is right to go. I, I feel personally that, that, 
that Brian has maybe found the whole COVID thing hard. You know, he's he's one of the few inter-county managers. He, he always leaves his mask on, mask on on the sideline, whether that's him just personally, he wants to do everything right. But, you know, he's, I, I'm not, I, I'm not sure what age Brian Cody is, but he, he has become a frailer man, if that, if that makes sense, you know, on, uh, in, in, in the last couple of years, you know, it's, it's all affected us in some ways, one way or another, this COVID thing. But uh, Brian Cody is, for me, he's, he's not the same presence on the sideline as, as what he used to be. You know, who am I to judge Brian Cody? I'm absolutely no one. And Brian Cody didn't give two continentals what I think about him as a manager, and rightly so. But I'm just giving my opinion in that he's not the same presence on the sideline as what he was maybe a few years ago, you know, when you see that energy with him. And, you, you know, it's it's just it's just not the same. It's just not the same. And, like, I just don't – I still I still don't feel that – that Kilkenny will be asking him to leave Dominic. I think that he'll he'll leave on his own terms, and I think Kilkenny will will understand that as well. But as you said, six years, it's a mini famine um, down there. Like, could you could you see them pushing on, maybe doing something big next year? At the moment, you probably couldn't because with the question marks over a couple of the greats, like you know, like Richie Hogan. I I I I, I think Richie will, be, will find it hard to go back next year with the injuries he's had and the very li- the little amount of game time he's got this year. You know, um. But as I said, TJ, that's that's a big one for them, you know. Um, no more so than Joe Cannon step away from Galway. If TJ steps away, it just takes away that kind of aura, you know, that kind of that kind of real touch of class when when we needed most up there, like you know. But I don't look. It'll it, it'll allow others to step up, you know. No more so than his belly hail teammates, Adrian Mullen and Owen Cody. But uh, to answer the question, is it time to Cody for Cody to go? Uh, in my opinion, I can't call that. I think it'll be totally up to him whether 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 he's there or not next year, Mick. I won't read out John's comment here, but TJ Reid is not overrated. He did score from play yesterday, and you try scoring 10-plus games uh, points a uh, game from freeze uh, in Crow Park in a dollar semi-final. Uh, but anyway, let's, uh, let's move on to the other match, right? Because uh, hey or no hey, uh, eventually uh, we got to play the game on Saturday. Uh, you made it for a throw-in, did you? Yeah, Bailgate. Bailgate, they were calling it there on the way up. Um, well, I was, I was corrected by Mark Farrelly, uh, with uh, him of a farming background and formerly of Balzadi. Uh, he said that it was nothing to do with uh, hay. It was, in fact, straw, but we needn't get into the difference. <laughs> I wouldn't, I, uh, to me, straw and hay, I don't know, but uh, Bailgate, uh, and we made it. How big a deal is it to delay a game by half an hour if you're, like, Limerick and Waterford all are the semi-finalists and you're coming up to Dublin and you're eating at a certain time and so on. Because Joanne Cantwell was saying on TV that both elected to try and play the, to, to start the game on time despite yeah. the fans being in and the GA eventually made the call. Yeah, and I, okay, I, I know if you've seen see Darrell Donovan's interview after the match and Darrell Donovan, you know, uh, I'm delighted to see someone like Darrell Donovan get, get man of the match for just pure honesty, work rate and what he did in mm. the play. It might not always be top scorer but what he did. But what he was saying was that they should have started the match because both teams wanted to start the match. And I and I and I get that. I, I've been involved in games where it, there has been a delay for traffic or for whatever reason. And I suppose when you're in that bubble of the team and the panel and the and the management and you just want your focus on five o'clock and now it's gone to half five, you just can't understand why that's not fair. Now I'm just gonna flip that around and say for someone who's actually sitting very, very close to the bridge when the when the bail when Bailgate happened. <laughs> the, the, the anxiety of the fans like and the amount of fans yeah. and we were well up the road when it happened the anxiety of it to say you mightn't get a chance to see your county play and maybe you mightn't get a chance to see your county play again this year and who knows what's going to happen next year up yeah. in Pro Park so I I think when you're in the bubble of the team you think that's all that matters and you just want to play the game and that's fair enough 
But I suppose we have to look at the bigger picture here in that it, it's all about the fans. Like, you know, I mean, the fans create the atmosphere. They're there supporting the teams and all that. And a lot, a lot of people would have missed a lot of that match. And I would say, Mick, even some people might have turned around and went home. They couldn't just take it anymore. And um, mm. sitting in the traffic and knowing what time they would have got up to Crow Park. So I think the right thing was done for the, for yes. for people to get in and take their time and not be rushing up the road and maybe cause another accident trying to get in before uh, for five o'clock. It was put back a half an hour. Did it affect the game? I I don't know. It 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 might have in some small fact, but I just think the intensity and the hits of the first quarter was a massive thing. Now I know it was mentioned it was only four pints to three after the first quarter. But I mean, a, a lot of that was down to the intensity at which the first yeah. quarter was played at, and and Watford, they just threw everything, everything they had in the tank. They threw it at at the Limerick boys. Something like what Kilkenny tried to do in what Kenny did do in 2019. They threw everything at them in the first half. But Kilkenny were, I think, nine points up after it, whereas Watford were a pint down. They were after hitting six wides, and and for me, when that when that was happening, you know, when they 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 had given everything, you know, and I was there watching it. And, even going in for the first water break, they just they looked a little bit tired. You know, it was four games in 21 days. I think it's been well documented now as well. So when you're when you're going in after giving everything, Mick, and you're still a pint down, it's it's demoralizing. Like, you know, it is demoralizing. And I just think Limerick took full advantage of that in the second quarter, outscored um, outscored the Watford lads 11 points to four in the second quarter, then because they said, right, lads, Paul Knorr got him in. By yeah. the way, water breaks have to go. In my opinion, I think yeah. they're I think they're they're ridiculous at this stage. Knorke got him in and said, "Right, that's everything they have, lads. Let's go on her now." And they did. And I said, "Outscored them 11-4, and then it's 15, 15, seven and half time." And to be honest, up there, it's it was kind of inevitable what was what was going to happen then after that. Like, like it's the same chance for everyone. But the water break that that's literally what I was going to say next is like the writing was on the wall. It's inevitable, as you just said. It was as as soon as that that water break came, you're thinking Waterford can't do this anymore Limerick will figure it out and eventually they put in so much effort that it's almost like the the opening gambit has failed and you kind of felt it was inevitable Limerick were going to win the match from there weirdly enough with a point gone Limerick shouldn't have the chance to do that they shouldn't have the chance to stop that water for momentum and they shouldn't have the chance to coach in the middle of the match either like I know it's the same for everyone what's the point of why aren't the GA making this call mid-season when people are sharing water bottles all over the pitches 70 examples on Twitter from Crow Park over the two days of people throwing water bottles onto other players or, or drinking them or passing them on or Horgan taking a sup before he took a free and so on and so forth. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not for a Mick, you know, as, no, a, 37, no. as, a, 37, as a 37-year-old playing club hurling, I don't mind them, to be honest. No. I mean, and you're getting old breaks. Oh, as, as, as watching inter-county games and watching the levels of fitness these lads have, I think the water breaks now, they're just pointers. I've used the one before, handbrake in a canoe. Uh, like there is, there is useful now as a waterproof tea bag. I tell you, that's that, that's another one for you there, right? I mean, there is no water being drank at them, and if there is, very very little. I have a three-year-old son, and I'd say he would drink more water in the water break than the boys are drinking. They just, they don't need it, like really. I mean, there's people running marathons for three hours, and they just taking out a slug of water every now and again. These lads are top athletes. Whether they get a, they get a water break after 15, 60 minutes, they don't need it. They'll go in and refuel at half time anyway. I think um, I think it takes the momentum out of the game. It sucks a bit of life out of the game. It's another stoppage we don't really need, and I don't think the players really need. And I think 100% the fans don't want to see it anymore. So if obviously they're, they are going to be kept for the All Ireland final, but if if Anton comes out of this, is that next year, just no more water breaks, please, because as you said, there's bottles of water being flung in everywhere anyway. If 
if you know if if someone really needs a drink that badly, which science would prove that they actually don't really need a drink that badly for the for the time they're on the pitch, and um, you know they'll they'll get it into them or whatever for whatever yeah. reason. But uh, also, make another thing I keep that keeps cropping up this year. I don't know if you notice it is when a, for a player going down to take a sting out of the game. I don't know is a coincidence or not, and I don't think it is. Everybody seems to have trouble with their contact lenses. So the contact lens is like the water break of stoppages if something is needed. You watch it now in most games, someone will go down and it, it will be a contact lens issue or a head issue. And what can the referee do? It has to stop the game if, if, if yeah. it has something to do with the head. So I think that's something that's kind of crept into our game as well. Uh, team gets a run and you have three or four points. Suddenly, magically, someone goes down. Because I don't think refs are buying the hamstring thing anymore. But if you yeah. go down and you say, oh, something in the eye here, contact lens suddenly. I say, this lad's not even wearing contact lenses going down and they have problems with contact lenses. But yeah, water breaks, please get rid of them and uh, check who, who wears glasses before the matches if they actually have contact lenses. Or, you know. or I don't have time to go off on this tangent, but it, the, every decision has a consequence. And the GEA don't want to look amateurish by having trainers out on the field or Marishkas or anything like that while the game is going on. But if you just, if referee just let, allowed the trainer come on fix the contact lens, you can play around somewhere. It's a bigger whole pitch, like do you know what I mean. But you can just, no, you can just say, get it started to come back on, you know. But people are going to take advantage of uh, of these decisions, you know, when they come in. So, oh, for God's sake, we could we we'll, we'll spend the winter fixing this game, Shane, if it kills us. Um, but I don't know, what, <laughs> I don't know if anybody's going to spend the winter coming up with a uh, a plan to beat Limerick. Cork will spend the next two weeks trying. I, I was talking about perceived possible tiny percentage chance chinks in the armor last week. If they were there, Waterford didn't show them um, in, in, in terms of attacking. I don't know if playing five forwards is the way against them, but then again, I don't know what the way is against them because the more I watch this team, the more I think, I don't know if I've ever seen a team like them. When yeah. you watch the Kilkenny team that you guys beat in 2010 and probably should have beaten in 2009 and you you had amazing battles with the league and it's like that, this is a brilliant tip team as well. But, you know, there was a sense that there was, a, if you caught Kilkenny on the right day and you played to your absolute best, it was going to be a good game. You know what I mean? It was going to be yeah. a 50-50 chance, whatever. I don't know if, if Limerick play at their best, I don't know if anybody can beat them at all, like under any circumstances. Yeah, I agree with you. I think if, if you go back to the Kenny teams, I suppose there, it was, there was less tactics and there was more kind yeah. of, they, they, they were just such good primary possession winners that when it went down 50-50, nine times out of 10, they were going to win it and they were going to work a score anyway because such was the quality of hurler that they were. I think, you know, tactically, Limerick are, you know, they're just way ahead, like, you know, and, and okay, let's touch on it there. Watford had Shane Bennett sitting in the pocket or sitting as a sweeper as best as they can, but I think it was well documented there when Limerick get the ball, they will not hit the ball or the person who's under pressure with the ball will not strike that ball under pressure. No way, no how. They'll work their little triangles. They have to go back 20 yards, they'll go back 20 yards and if they have to do two two or three hand passes, they will to get the likes of Dermot Burns or Kyle Hayes or Decky Hannon, that Tom Brady-esque you know, vision he has to, to, to just nullify the sweeper. And it's so frustrating because they're so good at it. Like They'll never strike the ball. You'll never see them running back towards their own goal, striking the ball over their shoulders, hoping it's going somewhere. That won't happen with this Limerick team. They'll they'll work it and work it and work it. They'll get it to someone, right, you have a good vision, take out the sweeper, hit Flanagan, hit Galan, hit Casey, hit the space in front of him, don't put the ball down on top of the sweeper. Okay, so then you say, right, we won't bother playing a sweeper, let's. Fine, that's perfect. Now you've left loads of space and maybe behind your half-back line, or maybe we can shoot from distance. They're, like Limerick's half-forward line scored nine points from play the other day. 
compared mm. to Watford's half forward line scored one point from play. So no matter what way you want to play with them, they don't mind. Like they'll play it either way. If you want to play a sweeper, fine. And Cork probably will go with Mark Coleman back there. And but they'll just try and find the pockets either side of either side of them. And they'll and they'll just cut it and, and they'll just give a quality, quality ball into Flanagan. I know um, by the way, I think I think Flanagan is a front runner for Hurler Deer at the moment as well. Yeah. I said this yeah. last night and people disagreed with me. I said, look at him, look at him over the games, look at him against Tip. I think he popped up at one, three, one, four, four points from play yesterday, could have had six points. But he is winning so much ball. He doesn't mind how the ball goes in. But the ball, mm. when the ball goes in well to him, he gets it and he just has this way of looping around off the left over the shoulder. So I think Limerick have an abundance. I think John Kiley was saying with so many improvements to make. And I was just there, oh, Jesus Christ, what are the rest of us doing if he has so many improvements to make? He said, oh, our work rate can up. So I, I, I thought about that on the way home in the car. I said, our, up rate, our work rate can up. And I was looking over the game and looking over things again. They scored 115 from either turning over the Watford or winning their puck outs to get the score. 115. And he's on about their work rate can up. The only thing I can see that they can improve on maybe is their 14 whites. But if you don't shoot, you don't score. I know that's Canork's motto with them. If you don't, you have to shoot to score. They had 14 wides, you know, to be fair, they had four of them in the last quarter alone when the game was done and dusted and lads were just maybe taking on a few shots. But it's 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 frightening for the rest of us. I think, I know you want to touch, maybe touch on the Peter Casey thing, Mick, quickly, but yeah. I think he's a massive loss. And okay. why do you think he's a massive loss? Uh, popped up with five points from playing the Munster final. He had two points got the other day. He's directly involved in that goal. And he's everything good uh, about Limerick. He's involved in an awful lot of it. Mm. He's a deceiving player. He's strong on the ball. He does the right thing with the ball. He takes minding. So I think he's a massive, massive loss to Limerick. And I, I, I can't, if they want to appeal, they can, but I can't see him getting off the card. There was movement to the head mix. So, but I think he's going to be a huge loss. That might be, might give Cork some hope, you know, as in how to set up the next day. Comes back to earlier though, doesn't it? When it's like, you know, if you've got someone who might not be in the best form, but someone as good as Graham Mulcahy to come in or someone like Pat Ryan who's been waiting in the wings for a chance for a long time, really, yeah. from the start. That like, you know, may, may, again, might not do all the things that, that, that Casey does and there's a reason he's there every week. But um, is there, do you have any, do you give any uh, credence to the sort of argument that they're robotic or boring? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't know. I think yeah. I think they're I think I think there's some hurlers like I they they are they, they might look to some some people outsiders to say oh this is so boring it's so boring because they're so good like I mean if you like you compare it to other sports right compare it to Barcelona at their pump you'll just be watching them passing the ball passing the ball passing the ball like oh so boring how many passes have they had to get but sure they have to be so controlled and trust the system so much and you have to at the end of the day you have to have the players to do it like Limerick. Limerick have the players to annoy you so much in a 10, 15 yard space. Just bang, 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 ball to hand, hand pass, stick pass. Now someone's in the best position. Now get the ball into Flanagan and we'll get a score out of it. Reset. Well, let's reset for their puck outs. They, it, everyone knows where exactly they need to be. They're playing with each other so long. They trust the system. But at the end of the day, do you know what I mean? You you could try this system maybe with, with, with the Leitrim hurlers or someone like that with all due respect to them. But, I mean, they'll try and they'll work hard and everything. But Limerick just have a bunch of players at the moment. And I'm always saying to Limerick people, and I think they understand as well, this is the greatest hurling team they've ever had, maybe the greatest hurling team they ever will have. And they are going, they're trying to get to every game to see as much of them as what yeah. the genuine Limerick fans are saying, because we know this might come again for a long time. And I think that's the difference. People say it's robotic, it's boring. No, I just think they're so good. They're making it look so easy. And they're making the rest of us play, play catch up at the moment, Mick. Yeah, and let's not forget, Shane, that if you're not from one of the traditional counties, you're only allowed to be good for so long before everyone turns on you as well. That's uh, 
Well, yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> or the higher powers come against you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Cork are back now, yeah. So maybe, maybe we want to see Cork lift and leave McCarthy again. Maybe it's been too long. Have they got a, like, we're talking, I, I actually am looking forward to re-watching the Munster semi-final in the next couple of weeks just to sort of see what we can get out of that because Limerick did get two goals in a very short period of time. Um, that sort of, but they, they always did hold them off and we didn't think Limerick were incredible that day, but as you said last week, they won by eight points. Cork feel like a different team now as well though. Oh God, yeah. Like I mean, if you look when you when you look back at that Munster semi-final, this is what you're going to see, right? Two completely different teams, I think, right? And also, yeah. not to like, I don't think Peter Casey thought to Hurley, but he got sin bin that day, so unfortunately, <laughs> it's not been a good year for him, and um, discipline-wise, you know. But if you think about it, right? Um, Hoggy didn't score from play that day. Okay, 15 points yesterday, six points from play. Missed freeze as well that day. Weirdly, yeah, like, he missed yeah. freeze and everything. Didn't score in the yeah. last quarter of the game that day. Um, let's go look at Limerick that day. Tom Marcy, no score from play. Aaron Galan, no score from play. Like, look at Tom Marcy did at the weekend. Five points from play. Galan scores 1-5, one, 1-1 one, one from play. Like, the thing, like, the, I think it's two different teams now in the confidence that they're playing in and um, the way the group is set up. Um, obviously, Limerick don't change too much. I mean, exact same team started Saturday. Bar, Peter Casey is in for Graham Mulcahy. I started all in the final last year. Cork, Cork are, you know, Cork are a new team. We, you, you, you can see that from... Uh, I think you said six out of the 15 would have played the 2019 quarterfinal. So they're, they're a new group coming through. But I just think, like, where where can Cork take hope from, from the performance they had that day? I suppose if Pat Horgan had scored a penalty, you know, mm-hmm. at the time the score was 156 points, but then Limerick outscore them 242 points with 14 men. Yeah. Um, so the ifs and buts, um, I, thought, I thought Cork's backs were really good that day. They did a great job with Tom Morrissey. Sean O'Donnell did an outstanding job in Aaron Galan, front runner for. An all star, I'd say, Sean. I don't know who. Uh, and the other thing was their puckouts and the way the, the way Cork's puckouts have been going, they're forcing other teams to go to take on puckouts that they don't really want to take on. And I think that was very evident against Kilkenny. I just have one stat for you here, Mick. You know, um, that in the second half, Kilkenny went, went along with 17 puckouts and they only won five. So I think you have a really good Cork defense and you have forwards buzzing around the place. And as you said, seven or eight forwards now. That can that can start the game or finish the game. So I think they'll take they'll take great confidence from that the way the way they've um, progressed since and the questions that they've answered since. But I just think that Limerick are getting better and better. I thought they were really good Saturday. Um, I'd say someone was getting ready to play the Cranberries from about the 50th or 52nd minute. They knew what was going to happen, and I just think like, is the ultimate is the ultimate performance coming again in the final like they did last year. Okay, yeah. Peter Casey will be out, but as you said, and you're dead right, Nick. Like imagine if Pat Ryan got a start in all the finals. Imagine what he could do and chomping at the bit and point to prove. So the strength and depth that they have, the culture they have, and the group of players they have at the moment, they just look unbeatable. They really do. Like, Yeah, there's been a feeling, I, I don't know if I said it earlier in the year or not, that like it, it feels like might might be one of those championships where all the storylines are in the battle to face Limerick, but that the, the Limerick procession, might have been inevitable from the start and there's nothing anybody can do about it. And sure, if that's the case, that's a team that people can celebrate and enjoy in their own way as well, but it might not leave us at the most entertaining fine. But I do think, I don't know how many people were getting in Crow Park, Shane, but if it's 60,000 or something close to that, maybe, I don't know, but 
Um, I could be wrong about that. Maybe 50. Um, but, you know, I think it'll be... Uh, the, the Cork crowd will definitely add to the occasion anyway. I was say, saying to you before we came on air, there was a sense of... Uh, I saw one of them hitting one of their friends when Cork got a point yesterday. I was thinking, I've been at this bloody match against them a million times. And it's like, when you're the other fan, it's not very fun being at a Cork match. But as a neutral watching it, they bring unbelievable colour to the games. And it is actually great that they're in the All-Ireland final, despite all my complaining about them <laughs> being back there. You know, oh, yeah. Them to be there at least once a decade, I think, is fair enough. Something that we can handle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. I think it's I think it's 40,000, Mick, isn't it? 40, that's going to be in the final. Yeah, yeah, just confirmed it. So, uh, but look, I, you're dead right. I think the car crowd... You, you you have to love them. You 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 maybe love to hate them or you, you or anything, but I think they're they're great characters. They bring great color around the place, and I just think it will be a more exciting final because of it, and um, because of them being in it, because of the color that they'll bring, because of the buzz that they'll bring, and the car crowd are a great crowd to follow. But I tell you what, even when Limerick weren't going great, they have a great crowd following them as well, and they yeah. they always have massive massive support of the game. So forty thousand tickets, you know, they'll be like. If you like hen's teeth, as they say, they'll be very hard got um, over the next couple of weeks. But look, isn't it great for your counties to be in it? And hopefully both both sets uh, both sets supporters can really enjoy the next couple of weeks now and uh, and the build up to it. Like, yeah, definitely. Um, look, can't wait to, to talk about it. Can't wait to watch it. I've never I, we never talked about um, about Waterford and uh, Liam Cattle and you know their fans have been spectacular as well like i saw them getting very excited during that first quarter like you said but it's been a really really good year for them it's been a really really good two years for them do you see that as a project that can continue to kind of make a step up it's obviously a very young team waterford you always have this fear a little bit that <laughs> i've mentioned it a few times that they could just uh implode at any point and start the bricks again and then in in a weird way like incredible consistency over the last two decades or whatever but it does seem like there's a, there's kind of low points along the way as well yeah there is i think i i i hope that Liam Cal would maybe stay on obviously there's there's talks of the, the tip job being in yeah. being, being an option and coming up but who, who knows about that i think Liam Sheedy will be will be the man to decide that if he steps away or not himself but I think I, I'd like to see Liam Cahill stay on with Watford. I think, like like we said already, we've used the word culture. I think he's created a, a great culture down there with the Watford lads. You know, next year he'd have maybe Ty DeBorka back, Park Manny might be back, maybe Stephen O'Keefe will come back. I mean, there's three massive guys to throw in and look at the wealth of experience that they got this year. They're very, very close to the team. Um, they're just coming up against one of the, you know, one of, as I said, one of the greatest hurling teams of the modern era. Like, you know, but, like, you know, I think... I think there's a great group down there and I think for someone else to come in now they might find it hard like to try and instill the same kind of culture and belief that Liam Cahill and Mikey Beadmans and the management team in Watford have done down there you know the, the physical shape that they're in and the belief that they have in the group I'm, I'm sure as well you know with with the current management and you know it's 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 very very hard to keep chopping and changing managements all the time because it does take managements a year or two to bet in I mean look at like we go back to it again look at Limerick like I mean, it wasn't all a bit of roses for for John Kiley's first year in 2017. They went down to play Kilkenny in a qualifier game down Nolan Park, a game they could have won, but they didn't. And there was obviously questions being asked about about them as well. But it takes a management, it takes management team a while to go in and for the group to buy into their, you know, into their values and into what they believe the group should be doing. So for for Watford's sake, and I, I, I would hope that Liam Cahill and the lads would stay on, give it another year, try and get a few more of the you know more experienced guys back from injury and the experience that the younger lads have got this year and I honestly do feel that they will be they will be a force again next year you know and maybe success you know is 
maybe bringing back a monster title to Watford and pushing on and trying to get back into an All Ireland final again. But I, I, I do think that there's been great, great things done down there in the last couple of years under under Liam Cal's guidance, Mick. All right. Well, listen, we've lots more to talk about before the before the final. But uh, Shane, thanks a million for today. It was a great weekend, and uh, the All Ireland hurling semi finals weekend has definitely, I think, established itself as one of the best uh, weekends of the year now in the Irish sporting calendar. But uh, unfortunately, we have to go and talk to Darren about football infiltrating infiltrating the final weekend now, possibly uh, if the Tyrone Kerry game gets suspended. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, but thanks a million for joining us today. Cheers, Mick. Thanks a million. Thanks a million, Shane. Now, before we get to Darren, we're going to talk about everything, well, whatever's going on with that with Throne and Kerry and obviously Dublin Mayo uh, this weekend as well. Um, but before we do that, we're going to look at uh, our man Finch our, uh, bringing us lovely little insights into the GA world over the course of the season. And today he's looking at the best outside managers in GA. Let's look at outside managers with a great deal of scepticism. Like, who are they from outside the county bounds to come in here and tell us how we should play? But sometimes it works out. So we're looking at six of the best outside managers in GAA history. Before we start with our top six, I think it's imperative that we look at some honourable mentions. So, with apologies, Paddy O'Shea, Liam Kearns, Davy Fitz, Kevin McStay, and the underrated Len Gaynor. Lads, you did excellently, but it's just not good enough. There were whispers that Dublin was on the verge of a hurling renaissance when Anthony Daly took over in 2008, but nobody could have anticipated what was to come. They survived low points, Antrim in 2010 and all of 2012, but who would have thought in 2013 that Dublin would be Leinster hurling champions? Michael Bond stepped into the breach as Offaly manager following a loss in the 1998 Leinster final where manager Babs Keaton made some dismissive comments towards his Offaly team. Bond came in, galvanised the troop and, thanks to the back door, Offaly got to the All-Ireland final and they won the thing. There's nothing quite like getting won over on your native county. Although Eamon Cregan looked absolutely shell-shocked when his Offaly side beat his native Limerick in the 1994 All-Ireland Final. Cregan was part of Limerick's last All-Ireland success in 73 and he was the reason why his fellow county men would have to wait even longer for an All-Ireland. Although he never won an All-Ireland as an outside manager, Mick O'Dwyer's success with Kildare, Leash and even Wicklow deserves a mention. He took Kildare to an All-Ireland Final in 97, taking several scalps along the way. He took Leash to a long overdue Leinster in 03 and made Wicklow a force in their home ground. Awfully bleeding love outside managers. We've talked ad nauseum about the hurling success, but Eugene McGee took the Offaly footballers to the greatest prize of all and arguably the greatest All-Ireland Final of all in 1982. And he's from Longford. Longford! And he won an All-Ireland. John O'Mahony is the quintessential outside manager. He was sacked by his native Mayo in 01 and he made them rue that day for a very long time. In 1994, he won Connacht with Leitrim of all teams. Leitrim. Then, in 97, he's appointed as Galway manager where he beats fellow outside manager Mick O'Dwyer's Kildare in the final. More provincial success follows, then when the qualifier debate comes around in the early part of the 21st century, Galway say, we don't want the qualifiers. Then they end up having to go through the qualifiers to get to the championship, and what do they do? They win the All-Ireland by virtue of the back door.
Darren O'Sullivan, we could have had an entire video there, just Kerry lads uh, going around the country trying to spread the gospel. Over yeah, the there's, a few, there's a few of them on the road, all right? Yeah. Um, come here, listen, I, I, it's getting more and more likely this game isn't going to go ahead uh, at the weekend and uh, thrown and... and um, Kerry, I don't know if you heard uh, what what the Kerry side of it has been. Um, obviously, the issues are are emanating from Tyrone. Um, they had issues before the Ulster final, obviously, but um, it's not looking great now. Have you heard anything? No, I um, I was actually chatting to one or two of the lads um, just randomly um, over the last day or two, and they haven't a clue. Um, so they're as much in the dark as all of us. So it's a uh, it's it's not ideal. It's obviously not ideal for Tyrone because they can't train. But I suppose from a Kerry point of view, you're trying to gear yourself up for next Sunday, and you just don't know what to do. I suppose everything logistics side of it. Um, personally, if you're trying to get yourself ready for something, um, you don't know what you don't know what you're doing. So, it, I I think at this stage, I'd rather it was called off. Um, mm. I just think when you get to this stage and all are in semi final or final. You don't want to be missing any, but you don't want anybody to be missing these big games over COVID, um, over anything really. But um, from a Kerry point of view, you don't want to be playing an understrength Tyrone team either. Um, no. So I think I think the best thing would be to call up, call it straight up, like as early as they can today, just so both teams can start preparing properly for it. And then the, there's a week to the no, no break before the All Ireland final, considering. You know, Dublin yeah. up the extra week is that is that a, is that an issue there, or are, I don't know, or is there enough? Yeah, well, it's it's only an issue, I suppose. If you pick up knocks and bruises, I suppose, or win, they had a, yeah, they would, yeah, I suppose. There's no bothers if you lose, you've nothing to do anyway. But um, yeah, look, it is one of the knock-on effects. You put it back a week, do put the All Ireland back a week. I think you'd have to. I think it's very tough on a team to play a semi-final, then a final, and no matter what happens, you're going to have an asterisk after somebody winning it then because there'll be an excuse that we were down players because of COVID or we had no break because because of COVID. So, yeah, it's a strange one, but I think that they need to make a decision today, like very early, get it done. Ideally, from an outside point of view, I think it'd be the fairest thing would be to put it back a week and even put the all Ireland back a week. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Okay, well, we'll see what happens on that. There's not much... Too much we can say on it, I suppose. If the match is to go ahead, I suppose we should talk about it. We'll obviously talk about Dublin Mayo, which there doesn't seem to be any doubts about, thank God. Uh, yeah. But the Kerry one, one thing I was talk, talking to the lads about last week, and I said I, I'd mention it to you, is kind of the roads through and the paths. And we've talked about, is there the possibility of Kerry being undercooked in the past? Uh, you know, But obviously, if you're Tyrone and you've had COVID issues, you've had Cavan, uh, Donegal, and... Um, and a really brilliant Monaghan team. And, you know, Kerry had the biggest Munster final win, the second biggest Munster final win of all time, and uh, big wins over Clare and um, and Tip. You know, we talked to Shane last week about A versus B games in Hurling and, you know, how famous they are and exactly what goes into them. And I was thinking, is, is it like, is Kerry actually having an extra week off the type uh, is that kind of thing done in Kerry camps? Is, is would there be like full on organized A versus B games that would be as competitive as you hear about with the Kilkenny hurlers and stuff? Oh, they would, yeah. Like, to be fair, like, I imagine Dublin over the last couple of years, well, their toughest games have been the AVB games, yeah. And I suppose Kerry do have a very strong panel at the moment, and I wouldn't be surprised if the B team were edging out the A team at times. Mm. Um, 
so yeah they would be i i don't think they're as famous as the the kilkenny ones we used to hear about and there was no whistles blown or nothing but uh no it would be like that it, it you're you're at this stage of the year where every jersey is up for grabs and your only opportunity to get in there if you're not in there is the avb game you can also play yourself off the team as well so they would be they'd be very competitive games like that carry carry definitely going in undercooked and i suppose the only thing they have in their favor is that they had some good league games and that wasn't that long ago um, but if you had the same gap between league and championship i'd be very worried about the carry lads because realistically they've had no challenge at all this year um i don't expect it to be an issue coming up against tyrone due to the league being so close they know what's coming i think the lads are tuned in but other years i would be worried because like that their toughest games have been in training so it'll be interesting but i, I don't think it's gonna be an issue this year yeah it was 615 to 114 i think i might have that wrong in the league um down in clarny or was it really? and uh you know that was a throne team you're kind of thinking jesus what's going on here and they were i think they were experimenting a little bit at the time and they were maybe going a little bit more attacking than you would used to for throw i feel i feel like they found that balance now is there any sense i suppose it'd be more from kerry fans now than i think kerry management or team or anything like that that'd be a bit of kind of a complacency for beating them by uh you know it's not even beating them so much scoring six goals against a team like throne you'd be kind of thinking jesus it'd be some third round for us to to go lose an all Ireland semi-final to them but that's the thing, yeah. I suppose if you look, looking back in that game, I, I was watching. I think I tweeted actually. Um, what happened to the tough tackling Tyrone? That you, you, literally you didn't have time to scratch your head. Never mind, uh, get acres face with banging in goals. Um, and they're obviously experimenting. Look, it's a new management team. They have a new way of playing, and like that, there was a bit of trial and error during the league. Um, they are a lot more attacking this year. They've probably been. The most entertaining team to watch in the championship as well um so far they've played obviously they've played a, a better standard of uh opposition as well up to now but the games have been very good in ulster in general i couldn't see them being that attacking against Kerry. i don't think they'll go back to their old style but i definitely think they'll be a bit more cautious but i also think Kerry will be a bit cautious they conceded 114 in killarney and it could have been more um Tyrone Fords have shown this year how dangerous they are. They're a lot more direct, giving in the ball to them. They actually look happier this year with the style of play. Um, so I think Kerry will be a bit cautious as well. I wouldn't be surprised to see Kerry. I don't think they'll go with the two defensive wing forwards like they did last year, but I wouldn't be surprised to see um, a more defensive uh, half forward either at 10 or 12. But either way, uh, both of them are going to have to do a lot of tracking against the way Tyrone are playing at the moment, aren't they? Oh, definitely. Like, and I, I, Tyrone definitely have the balance at the moment. Um, McGeary there and Conor Myler. Yeah. They kind of go unnoticed a bit of the time, but the work they do um, off the ball and even the small little things around the middle, being that the link men just picking up runners. Um, so they definitely have that balance got. Obviously, that's probably down to playing better opposition in the, in the Ulster Championship. They had to be ready to go. Kerry haven't had that same issue just yet. Um, so I think that's the interesting thing for me. I think I think Tyrone will have periods in the game where they will go ultra defensive just to frustrate Kerry. See, can they cope? Um, so it's going to be interesting. Is it, like my thing as well is with Kerry. I think Tyrone have um, bigger, stronger, more physical um, forwards, and Kerry have backs. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who picks up who, because if you have Conor McKenna and you have Matty Donnelly in the full forward line, Kerry's uh, full back line wouldn't be the the most physical 
Tom Sullivan and Brian are very tenacious. Jason Foley has a bit of height, but they wouldn't be the, the strongest trio. Yeah, so McShane's time to unleash him, really, isn't it? Like, we've been waiting for him. And he's, I forgot to mention there, that you throw him in, that's a very, yeah. very strong full forward line there as well. Obviously, McCurry be maybe a bit different, but... I don't know, but I mean, it doesn't seem like they're, it doesn't seem like they've done it. I don't know, is is this the time to, to do it? Like, to, so like he's, he's getting a little bit more game time all the time, but, like, yeah. is it, is, and, if he only has 45 minutes in his legs, you throw him out at the start, don't you, and try and disrupt the game and try and be in it for the last 20 minutes? Yeah, I suppose that's the that's the tough call. Like he has been coming on and doing well, and I've been that that sub that's come on to finish off games as much as I hated yeah. it. And more often than not, management will rather bring you on mm. for twenty five minutes than play you for forty five and fifty minutes and take you off realistically when they need you in the game the last twenty minutes. So I wouldn't be surprised if they left him on the bench. It's a big impact. There'll be twenty four thousand, I think, at the game you get a big reaction off the Tyrone supporters at the game. He'll give the players a lift coming off the, coming off the bench. So I, if he can't last the 70 minutes, mm. I'd be leaving him in reserve. Yeah. Okay. I know. I see where you're coming from. I just think maybe it's like that's the way you should do it most of the time. But the odd time, maybe there's a switch up because of the opposition yeah. and maybe it's getting into them early is actually what's going yeah. to happen. As you've seen, like, Waterford tried that with Limerick and it didn't work either, so... Uh, yeah, well, Waterford my argument as a, as a player was always, throw me on for 50 minutes, have game one, and I'll come off with 20. I get a couple <laughs> of goals, that was my argument, but it, they, it was, management are a bit more cautious because if it's not going well or he's slow to get into it, they're going, you should have left him off to, should have left him off to start in 15 and you're guaranteed an impact when he's coming on. But um, I suppose that'll be the big decision the management have um, as well, the Tyrone forwards have been playing really well. Yeah. So who do you leave out? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a fair point. Who? So that that's possibly an an issue uh, uh, an issue for Kerry is maybe the physicality of the Tyrone forward, especially the full forward line versus what Kerry have there. Is there anything else that you would be worried about? And I ask all of this because I think we both think that Kerry are favourites and are going to win the game. So it's like it's 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 not focusing on week. Uh, it's more to see what might make this more of a game than possibly we think it's going to be. Yeah, well, I th- look. I think it's going to be a game, no matter what. I yeah. think um, Tyrone are really in a good spot at the moment, and they are still in that kind of developmental stage with the new management. They're still trying to find their feet with this new system. But if there's one team that can come out and disrupt and break a rhythm, it's Tyrone. Um, in the All-Ireland Finals I would have played against them I always felt we were the better team always going into it and even coming out of it when we lost I felt we were a better we were the better team but they are just better at finding a way to disrupt and they'll disrupt Kerry as much as they can but they also have the players who are brilliant on the ball we've seen that this year how attack minded they've been how free they look up in the forwards, how direct they've been with ball. I think Sean Cavanagh mentioned it in an RD the last day that he'd never seen him kicking as much ball. Like ball into space, they have pace, they have power, they have skill. So like you're going into Tyrone thinking, what way will they play? But they're going to have two styles that will be kind of intertwined, a disruption style and then a free-flowing football style. I think they have the players, they have the balance at the moment to do that. Um, it'll be how Kerry cope with it. They haven't come up against it yet this year. Um, 
And then it'll be a real test of maturity with the lads, uh, with the Kerry boys. I thought they showed maturity against Cork when they started poorly and regrouped. I think that it, that small bit of experience from that 15 minutes alone will send them that it's about patience. It's 70-odd, probably 80 minutes this game. You just need to keep the scoreboard ticking over, even if it's winning a free. If you haven't scored for four or five minutes, you get into that zone, you win a free. You engineer mm. a free. Do you know? And I think that's something they would have learned from last year. Obviously, um, when they got beaten by Cork, they had opportunities to get the scoreboard to keep tipping over. They never did it. And even the first 15 minutes this year against Cork, they were going for goals and they weren't done. Just put it over the bar. And I think they'll learn from that. Yeah. Um, okay. What about the other game then? Uh, Dublin, like, I'm trying to phrase this right because I'm in no way writing off Dublin. And if I was probably to pick a team to win the other, I'd probably still pick them. But I've talked myself into there being chinks in the armor or there being, you know, a possibility of them being hit for probably the last four years. And it's never been realistic. And it's actually been probably getting less realistic for the last, well, definitely last year anyway, right? But this time, I think I really believe it. You know, it's like, and I think that the reason is, is just, I was just looking even at, uh, at the, you know, the how different these teams are from when they would have met in 16 and 17. But that Mayo are actually the team that are bringing through the guys that we're excited about more so really than Dublin. You look at their bench, they always had guys that were hanging around for a long time. You knew that eventually own merchant right how long is he knocking around the panel and then he comes on and he's a superstar you know but it's like looking at revenge the last day other than merchant who's injured obviously you're not sure about any of them now maybe they could be great but we don't know the way we used to and i think that's a key thing considering how many players they've lost yeah and i think you probably hit the nail on the head with your the way you phrase it they could be great but we mm. don't know that yet and you just don't replace the players dublin replaced and it just flows that one replace the other. You don't replace the quality that they've lost. No, they may want to be great players and emulate the fellas that they've replaced, but at the moment, they're not as good. It's as simple as that. And uh, in time, they might be, but at the moment, they're not. So Dublin, for me, I think saying they're on the wane or they're, they're on a downward slope, it's the wrong thing to say, but they're definitely not at the level they were. For me, Mayo... Have been very exciting this year. Similar to they haven't played much. I thought Galway were very poor um, yeah. in the in the Connacht Championship, um, but they have that same style, which is so hard to play against, which is tenacious, fast-paced, all energy. I used, I used to always describe it as kamikaze football. They're just running from everywhere. Only the players that they've lost, who were great servants, but were slowing down, they've been replaced with fellas with unbelievable energy, mm -hmm. great pace. And we've seen this year, like defenders have been asked to defend a lot one on one. And now Mayo seem to have the forwards with a bit of pace that can go at you and cause you trouble. And they probably don't have the same battle scars um, from losing to Dublin and other All Ireland semi final and final. So they're going in with a, probably a bit of a bit of a bounce, no yeah. fear, young lads. And then you have someone like Aidan Shea, um, who they've been using a lot better recently. So. It's it's foolish to write off Dublin, and no one no one is no one in the right mind anyway, because they're doing what they have to do. They're uh, getting through. If they can win games in second gear, win them in second gear, and that's just the quality that they have. But similar to Kerry, can you just switch it on if you haven't been doing it before that? Yeah. Can I ask you as a group how important scars and stuff are? Because we were talking about the the 
Kerry Tyrone matches a years ago there a few minutes ago and we're talking about Mayo lads that might have something in their head about all those games against Dublin and I know that there'll be so much discussion about not having those scars in groups and stuff like that but also a player will inherently feel it especially after a result did you guys have like maybe I don't know whether the qualifier win um a couple of well, 2011 or 12 maybe ended it all or not but was there a kind of a feeling with Tyrone for the Kerry group, that there's something about them that we just can't get over. Is there probably a feeling with Mayo in the similar way that there's something about Dublin? Don't forget, they've lost them the last two years as well, as well as the two All-Ireland finals and various semi-finals and so on and so forth. Yeah, look, I think if you're a player and you're going, no, it's gone, it's done, that's lies. Like, really, so you may think it is and you, you'll say all the things, no, 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 I don't, you don't, you don't fear them. But there's always something in the back of your mind. You're not going to forget them defeats. And there was always there was obviously something that Tyrone had over us. Um, now I would have always gone in thinking we can beat them. But the difference there was like very similar players were playing in all them games as well. So like it, it, it's it's in your head. You can say it as much as you want. You're bound to start thinking, oh, not again. And um, yeah, I, I don't know how you get over that. You get over it by beating them. But the team that we beat in the qualifiers were a very different Tyrone team to the team that were beating us. Do you mm. know what they had? They had won all Ireland in a number of years. They weren't all conquering. Um, so yeah, they definitely leaves battle scars, and it's very hard to get over that. But I suppose it it always comes down to the stretch, the last couple of minutes of the game, how your position is, and then it's a case of are we in this position again? It, it, it all depends on the individual as well, but they definitely would leave scars. You go into it going, geez, we can't get beaten by these again. Like I lost a minor to Tyrone in four, senior to five, and to them in five and an eight. Yeah. And, and I love playing against them. That's the weird thing. I loved playing against Tyrone. I always felt individually that I do well. I always felt that their defenders didn't like me, which made, made, made my day. I always got a bit of grief off the Tyrone fans when I was coming on and I loved it but I had no joy against him as a group like we we used to lose all the bigger games which even to this day I, I couldn't put my finger on why I still I'd always say oh geez we had a better team than him but they find a way of stopping you playing and obviously they had great players as well at the time so they're for me they're probably the best at getting that balance of disrupting you and playing their own game mm this is off track for today and I wasn't even going to go there but would is the 08 one then the hardest because of um, well I, I don't know I, um, I, I suppose even from a Kerry man even necessarily then your own kind of individual thing is because it's it already happened twice at that stage and there was no way you were going to get caught that time and you'd all our double all Ireland champions yeah. in the following year with you as captain that's that's a four in a row team right there, like you know, yeah. uh, you don't know. That was, that's the thing, like, I suppose, in two, like two thousand four and mine or whatever, two thousand five. It was my first year with the seniors. I actually made my debut the same day, so and I, I just felt, oh, I'll be back again. You know, I was young. I wanted to get over. Eight for me would be one that sticks in the mind. From a personal point of view, I thought I should have started the game. Yeah. I done really well coming off the bench in the lead up. I thought they're going to lead. They're going to start me here. I do well against Tyrone. I'd done well against them in all the games that come on. I'd done well in the league games. And I just felt, oh, they won't like me. Do you know, they won't like me. I have pace and I used to go at fellas. 
but obviously it didn't start anyway and uh, did okay when it came on but it definitely would have stuck so quickly like obviously we'd lost in five we'd won in six and seven we won in nine like like you said that's a four or five in a row and that was my thing always with tyrone is like kind of going even if we win or lose we were always back the next year tyrone would not take a year off but they'd, they'd go into the background a bit the following year and i was there going that was the difference between us and them like we were consistently there um but they had a way of winning the big game especially against us and uh, i heard like men on about it recently as well that they were coming in um coming into the game against us probably feeling geez there's no difference between us and them only they have history but history doesn't win you any games but it also but it doesn't win you again but it can lose you games if it's in the back of your mind but they came in with this attitude you know what they don't get tackled hard so we'll flake into them and he i think he said in his uh in his interview like that they got in half time like hold on a second this is working um so it's only small moments like that all of a sudden you're going well they don't like this and they keep going and then all of a sudden you're it's like you're anticipating it and all of a sudden you're you're going in with a negative mindset yeah it's fascinating it's fascinating and uh geez i'd love to talk to you all day about it but uh i want to get back to mayo funny enough mayo it would be in in the middle of all that story as well because they'd be the ones who'd be unfairly criticized as the soft all ireland finals mm-hmm. for you guys and stuff like that during that time when Tyrone didn't show up as you would point out yourself yeah. um but they were there and they won brilliant games to get there but maybe didn't have the best finals but it wasn't the same mayo that we've seen for the last decade or so and I, it's actually interesting i've been thinking a bit about this this week because they are regenerating again and because you're only talking about aiden o'shea you're only talking about uh keegan you're only talking about i'm, I'm definitely missing a few paddy durkin's been there a long time henley's been there a long time there's one more uh dearman, dearman o'connor right um but other than that new team like and it's kind of happened quietly and they're there and contenders again and when you think that in 2011 i think did you beat them in the semi-final that year? They'd beaten Cork um, in the quarter-final. And they've basically been in every semi-final but one since then. And you think of that consistency for a county like Mayo, who would have been up and down for a long time over their entire history, really. Football mad, obviously, but maybe not the, um, what's the word, the structure, the infrastructure there to be a consistent uh, player. But you kind of think of Mayo now as that they're nearly always going to be there, aren't they? They're always going to be in the top four or five. Yeah, they're, they're, look, they're at the top table for a long time and they will, like, they're, they're a great team. They just couldn't get over that final hurdle for whatever reason. Look, like a lot of us, we've come up against Dublin in a purple patch. Um, you you throw that Mayo team that lost quite a lot of finals, semi finals, back 10 years or forward 10 years, they probably have a couple of medals in their pocket. But yeah. that sport, sometimes you come up against seem like a lot of teams at the moment in the hurling at Limerick. They just look incredible. So, you could be a great player or a great team, but you're coming up against a very, very special group. And I think that's what I was about with a lot of these Mayo boys. They came up against a very special Dublin team. Um, but yeah, they like the one thing for me, especially this year, um, like they've, they've evolved an awful lot. The change is in the team are huge, but they've done it quietly, which is a bit unusual for Mayo. Mm. Um, <laughs> you're normally hearing Mayo for Sam from December, January, all the way through. Um, somehow they've managed to keep it quiet for a while. And, if they keep it quiet, maybe who knows? It might actually be Mayo for Sam. I I do have a sneaky feeling for him. Um, can't shake it, but the last couple of weeks, I just there's something different about him this year. They've great energy. Um, so and like that, these younger lads, fresher lads, like we talked about earlier, the battle scars, they don't have that baggage going into it. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're going into it with very little pressure because realistically, who's expecting them to win it? Nobody. 
you know, because they don't have a history of winning it. They have a history of losing big games to Kerry and, and Dublin. Maybe not against Tyrone, but the there's no pressure. Yeah. Go play Dublin. This is the greatest team of all time. You've no pressure. This is a new Mayo team. So they're going in under the radar, probably under underappreciated, undervalued. So young lads with a bit of freedom into Crow Park where everyone wants to play. Maybe not the same pressure either without the full house. So yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I can't shake it. And someone would be trying to I'll explain. I hope my cousin rang me from Santa Barbara. Um, because he heard that I tipped uh Mayo, he wanted to know, is I feeling okay? And I was trying to explain to him, I said, I can't explain it, I just can't shake this feeling for me on this show, right? Okay, and that's for the All Ireland rather than just Saturday, or yeah, yeah, so, I think yeah. if um, yeah, I do, I, I just I just have a funny feeling for him, I think they could, um, uh, they could they could do it, yeah, no, this yeah, could come back and bite me badly, yeah. Um, but that's fascinating. Um, but I was even going to say this week, I don't think I don't know if many dubs would even begrudge come the final whistle, obviously, not during it. But after losing in uh 2013 All Ireland final, 2015 um uh, semi final, 2016 final, 2017 final, 2019 semi final, and 2020 final, they have to win one of them. And it becomes the, yeah. the saga gets more and more every year, and eventually you have to stop adding chapters if there isn't going to be a change of storyline. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, when you name it out there, they've been there so often. I don't think anyone would, would begrudge them. Um, to be great, not to have to listen to me off for Sam as well, like uh, every year. But I, actually, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have a cousin down here, and uh, he's cousins with Aidan Shea on the other side, so he's. I think he's a record at the moment that um, he's had one cousin in the All Ireland final consistently for, geez, I don't know how many years it is now, but between myself, Aidan, and Shamey, he's always got someone in the All Ireland final. So um, you'll never know what might continue again this year. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see because that's the big one now. If, if Mayo can overcome Dublin and it's going to be, uh, and Kerry do overcome Tyrone whenever that game might happen. Uh, yeah, that there's a lot of there's, there's a lot to talk about come that, but I think I think yeah. actually it's funny that we have kind of come down to the four. I think if you were looking at, you might have wanted Galway individually to be to win that match, but you definitely I think there was an awful lot of people would have loved Monaghan to beat Tyrone, especially given everything that's happened. Plus, just a lot of other when it comes down to it, four that are left is the championship four, really, isn't it? Like making all the provincials out of it. This is where it gets really exciting. Well, that's the thing. Like last year was brilliant. You had Tipperary one month, so you had Kevin and Ulster, but then you got to an All Ireland semi final, and they were they were out of their depth. As simple as that. Whereas now we have take the provincial, forget about provincial. Do you have your four best teams in Ireland? Two games. Who's going to be the champion? And that's what it's down to. You're guaranteed to have two very good games because they're the four best teams, and they have been consistently for a number years. of years. Yeah. I think Dublin still top dogs. I think Kerry and. Mayo, Tyrone, you throw in Donegal, or a man in with him, they're a tier below. Can one of them join Dublin up there this year? That's, that, that's been the question from the start of the year. Um, so, like for me, it's great because you're guaranteed two games. And you're calling the Mayo Kerry final then? Mayo Kerry final. You heard it here first. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So many people have said that Mayo will, you know, they'll finally beat Dublin and they'll have another match to go, and that'll be that. No, you know, 
we could be chatting next week and Dublin could be after hitting for 15 points and I will look very foolish, but it won't be the first time I look foolish, but uh, no, I just, like that, I can't explain it. I think a lot of people are probably thinking the same. Brave to tip against a seven in a row team, but you're going to be right sometime. Won't <laughs> be right. <laughs> Darren, thanks a million. We'll chat to you um, after the semi-finals uh, next Monday. Hopefully semi-finals. Look, it's looking more and more likely it is one semi-final, but there'll be a lot to talk about with Dublin and Mayo, as there always is anyway. So um, we'll chat to you then. Thanks so much for joining right. us. Cheers, Mick. Talk to you later. Thanks a million to Darren. Thanks a million to Shane as well. If you are watching on YouTube and you've enjoyed the show, please do subscribe to the channel. You'll be able to get our show every week in your uh, feed on a Monday. Um, we will be also back with you next week where we will look back on that Dublin Mayo game and lots more. Keep an eye on Ballsley all week for more GA embedded content. Um, we'll have lots to go there as well. So please subscribe. Take it easy. Have a good week. Enjoy watching back all the games from the weekend. See ya.